and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Brooks, here as always with my co-host, A to Z Sports writer Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that's something that you want to listen to on the reg, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify. And when you get there, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. If you do subscribe, then you won't miss our episodes when we drop them on Mondays. Along with that, go to YouTube. Type in A to Z Sports Nashville, and you will find the YouTube channel there with all of our videos. And then also you can watch the live stream, which people are doing right now as I speak. And you can be one of them if you subscribe. Uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I write on the internet. I think that's the bulk of it. Uh, hit the like button. On YouTube, I think that do that that helps us out, and it's a, the subscription and the notification bell. There, I think I knocked it all the way out. It is game week. The Tennessee Volunteers are set to take on the Clemson Tigers and Dabo Swinney. Um, this is a big game, and I <laughs> am nervous because <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go, and that is going to be the theme. Of today's show, uh, the bulk of the show is going to be us talking about that game, previewing it, what we think may or may not happen, the most important pieces, and and specifically from what I named the episode, I think Tennessee has the ability to win this game. How can they do it? Well, we're going to talk about that. What will they have to do to win this one? And myself and Zach will talk about it. Zach, what's up, man? Yeah, it's finally, finally game week. This whole gap of three or four weeks in between games just kills me every single year. I understand why it's the case, but I still hate it. I mean, it's just a, it's just a weird vibe for a game, right? I mean, I'm excited about the orange bowl. It's, it's a lot of hype for this game and it is, it is does kind of feel like a throwback bowl game where both teams really want to be there, even though they got left out of the playoff. I mean, Dabo has talked uh, this week already about how much this game means to his team and, we certainly know it means a lot to Tennessee, a team that desperately wants to get to 11 wins, and they they don't really care about development this week. They're they're going there to win this game. I mean, that's what it's all about for both teams. So it's gonna be a fun matchup. But yeah, it's just a just a weird vibe for me when it's this weird long gap in between games. Hopefully, the expanded playoff will will take care of that for us. Hopefully, because uh, it is it's just it's awkward outside of the context of football. It's always just an awkward time because you. You're sort of back at work, but everybody is not really working because you also got New Year's Eve coming up and you don't really know anybody. You know, it's, it's got to be the least productive week of the year, right? Yeah, there's but there's bowl games in the middle of the day, all day, every day until after New Year's, even after New Year's, all the way through the second there are bowl games. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a, a weird time, but one that is leading up to Tennessee's bowl game against Clemson um and we're going to talk about that again that's going to be the majority of the show and then to start we're going to talk about a few tidbits of news that happened this week and specifically also talk about the transfer portal with Tennessee any updates there and kind of give our take on what exactly is happening somebody asked me on Twitter um is Tennessee not doing what we expected them to do in the transfer portal we're going to talk about that along with previewing the game. Uh, but first, 
we got to pay the bills here and talk to you about Superbook Sports, our amazing sponsor. Can you beat Vegas this football season? Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boost and promo bets anywhere. Download the Superbook Sports app right now or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas immediately. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. That is Superbook Sports. If you want to, I mean, there's bowl games going on pretty much as we record this. You could go over to the Superbook app, bet on those. You can bet on the Tennessee uh, Clemson Orange Bowl game, National Championship. Who do you think is going to win those games? It's all there. Go download Superbook. Uh, And I think we talked about this before the game. We, We might do a little later this week, a little... Uh, playoff prediction between me and Zach. We'll see how wrong we end up being. Um, can TCU do, and, nah, well, be competitive in that game? We'll talk about it, maybe. So look out for that on the A to Z Sports YouTube channel. Let's get to it, though. A little bit of news this week. Tennessee made it to Miami, I believe, on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have been practicing, got a few practices in at this point. And uh, media has been there to see them and talk to the players. And uh, just some interesting tidbits here. Some players got asked about their plans for next season. And uh, Aaron Beasley, linebacker, he says, coming back for sure. Omari Thomas on the defensive line, he says, I never thought about leaving. And then Tyler Barron, defensive end, says that he's not decided yet. I don't want to be too snarky about Tyler Barron, but... What are you deciding between? <laughs> Not to, look, I think he could end up in the NFL, but I think if he went in this cycle, he's going undrafted. I would put it that way, almost certainly. So, uh, unless he just really shows out in combine or something, which I don't think he would even get invited to. So, with that said, any thoughts on on these developments or anything that's happened in these practices, Zach? Yeah, I wasn't really that surprised by any of those announcements as far as Omari Thomas and Aaron Beasley. I pretty much assumed they would be back uh, next season. There didn't really seem to be any concern that they wouldn't be. Tyler Barron's, uh, I think he might have just been surprised by the question, to be honest. We were talking about this a little bit before we started, and it might have been one of those things where he he got asked about it and didn't really want to commit one way or the other. Because if you remember, and I'm not saying this is the case this year, but if you remember last year, uh, right after the season, he entered the transfer portal pretty briefly and, and was out of it, I, I believe, like the next day, possibly. M- most assumptions there, uh, uh, people assume it was NIL related. So, you know, maybe he wanted to leave it up in the air a little bit for NIL purposes. I'm not saying at all that that is what he's doing, but certainly a possibility. I mean, that's kind of the world of college football these days. But it, it's hard to see him and, unless he's just done with college. And I, I don't get that vibe from him at all there's really no reason for him to try to declare for the draft. Like you said, he'd probably go undrafted this year. His numbers weren't as good this year as they were last year. And and that could be a little deceptive because if, if you watch Tennessee all year, there was plenty of games where they were getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, guys were just able to get the ball off just in time. I mean, if you remember the Pittsburgh game was a good example of that with Slovis before he went out and several other games too. So he played well. Uh, he just didn't play it up. Okay, this guy's going to be middle round early draft pick type guy so it's it's i don't think he's going anywhere i think he'll be right back next year and and tennessee definitely needs him back with with byron young heading to the nfl 
Yeah, that is a possibility with the transfer portal, maybe. But I mean, he's he's going to be your starter next year. I, I think almost no matter what happens, because with Byron Young leaving, there's just going to be that spot there. There are young guys coming up behind that I think are going to be very good. Your Josh Josephs and guys like that. But it's still, I, I think he he puts another season on paper and he'll he'll be good to go after this uh, this season. I, uh, but overall, none of this is particularly surprising. Um, It does help. It does help to have people kind of announce it though, because it's with the COVID year of 2020 and with the way the transfer portal, you know, you have transfers every single year. It seems like it's really hard to keep up with who has what eligibility left, who is moving on. Uh, For example, Jeremy Banks, you know, who, who I'm sure we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, he, he announced on Christmas Eve night, late at night, that he was uh, opting out of the Orange Bowl, heading to the NFL. Timing was weird. Make of that what you will. There's, there's plenty of rumors out there. Um, but he felt like he'd been at Tennessee forever. Like I didn't even realize until towards the end of the season that he had another year of eligibility left because of 2020. So it's, it's kind of hard to keep up with who can come back. Uh, who wants to come back, who will come back. It's kind of like when Will Levis announced that he was uh, declaring for the draft. I didn't know he had anything to declare, but it turns out he had a, <laughs> another year of eligibility left as well because of the COVID season. So it's that's kind of made it challenging to figure out who has what. It's not like, you know, when you could just go look at their profile and be like, oh, okay, this guy's a, a true senior. He hasn't redshirted. He, he could have, you know, one more year, this or that. Yeah, the, there's a lot of that with the COVID year where it's guys that are 28 years old and they're like, oh, he still has a season left to go. I'm like, he's older than me. How is that even possible? <laughs> uh, but yeah, as far as that goes with Banks, man, all, obviously, I think a lot of people heard those rumors about the academics with him being a problem potentially was the reason he sat out of the South Carolina game or just... Something to do with that. Maybe him him uh, bouncing out of classes was a factor there. Um, I, I almost want to say with Banks, I don't want to say that it was a fitting way for him to go out, but his whole time at Tennessee has just been so... Weird and yeah, eventful. Exactly. <laughs> Always Everything. something. And, and, and look, I mean, I know Jeremy Banks is polarizing. I know anytime I tweet about him or, or, or there's something on Facebook... The responses are almost 50-50 that people love Banks or people, you know, there's a lot of people that blame him for that South Carolina loss, which I, I don't think is fair because, nah. you know, losing a guy does hurt you. I mean, we've seen it before, with lineback- especially linebackers. Daniel Batuli missed time, and, and that was one of the reasons Tennessee you know, possibly lost to Georgia State or, or Darren Kirkland when he was gone in late 2016 and injured. But 63 points isn't what happens when one guy's missing i mean you have a bad game you give up some stuff you wouldn't normally give up but also jeremy banks you know he brings energy but he doesn't cover well you know he there he has deficiencies in his game he had weaknesses in his game so it's not like he was a perfect linebacker out there but at the same time i, I liked watching him play i mean the dude did not loaf on the field he gave it 100 percent every down that he was out there uh he played with a lot of energy and you know, he wanted to win. Uh, he came out there to play. So I, I respect that. All the stuff that came along with it. You know, I, I hope he uh, I hope he gets I hope he doesn't end up in a bad spot after leaving Tennessee. Hopefully he learned from some of the mistakes he made while he was at Tennessee. And, you know, I, I hope the best for him. 
Yeah, I like Brent in the comments here. He says Banks' way of going out was on brand. I mean, you're, he's he's going through the bowl practices, right? And it's six days before the game, and that's when the announcement comes. I mean, that uh, just yeah, it is on brand. That's that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I think it was very much on purpose that it was at like 9 p.m. on Christmas Eve. The, that was not a coincidence that Ultimate he made that announcement. Ultimate news dump, then. Tom. Yeah. Uh, most people are off of social media at that time. If he wanted that to be noticed, I would put it this way. If he wanted that to be noticed, he did it at the wrong time. <laughs> so <laughs> do it that what you will, whether the academics or whatever. We're never going to know exactly what happened there. That's between Jeremy Banks and Tennessee's administration and the coaches. But... Uh, I think it's another significant loss here for Tennessee. And we're going to cover that in just a little bit in terms of how that affects their game. But that was just part of the news of what happened this week to get back to the transfer portal and everything that's happening there. Tennessee hasn't made a pickup since we last talked about the transfer portal. The last one was uh, Andre Carrick, the kid from the offensive lineman. BYU linebacker. We did. Oh, that's, that's right. I think we did talk about him though. That's right. So it was Andre Carrick from Texas and then uh, Peely from from BYU, a linebacker from BYU, which I, I think is a really a significant pickup for Tennessee and, and a really good one and nice, uh, nice piece that's going to help build depth on that defense. But um, outside of that, there hasn't been a lot of movement, and, and I did want to talk about uh, – I want to give credit where it's due if I can find it. Somebody asked in the lead-up to the show. Uh, it was number five Hinden fan on Twitter. He asked, are you uh, surprised Tennessee is not doing very well in the portal, especially wide receiver and defensive back? And I guess I would go, do you think Tennessee is not doing well in the transfer portal? Uh, and do should should there be more pickups? I, at this point, I'll say this. At this point, I kind of agree with defensive back. I don't know that the options in the transfer portal at this point are really going to be huge improvements on what you have. Um, but do... Do you agree with that? Where do you you land, Zach? Yeah, I mean, they haven't made a lot of noise in the portal. And, and I don't want to say, oh, it's, it's totally by design or, or this or that because we really don't know for sure. I know they missed on the one offensive lineman from Rhode Island that ended up at Oregon, I believe. Yeah. And that, that that's really the biggest miss. I mean, they would have loved to have had one of those wide receivers that went to Georgia. But you lose a wide receiver to Georgia, what do you I mean? What are you going to say? It's Georgia they got their guys they went and wanted they got they wanted them they got them i mean georgia kind of gets who they want so that's that wasn't a big surprise i think tennessee's kind of being patient because there's going to be more portal movement after these bowl games and they kind of need to be because there's tennessee's only had a few opt outs they've had jimmy calloway jimmy holiday miles campbell i mean it's hit the portal i mean uh, so they haven't had a lot of portal movement, but I think there will be a few more that enter the portal. Maybe they just wanted to make that trip to Miami, participate in the Orange Bowl, and then they'll be on their way. Uh, Tennessee's got to see who's leaving, what kind of spots they have, because the roster management, you can't just be taking guys and, and then nobody leaves and you end up in a in a mess. So I think they're going to be patient on who leaves and then who enters the portal uh, after bowl games. Because right now, like you said, there's not a lot of DBs out there that they can take that's a definite upgrade over what they have. A lot of times when guys hit the portal, unless they're coming from a smaller school and it was just some something a recruiting miss, uh, they might not be an upgrade over what you have. A lot of these guys enter the portal because they're doing the same thing at their current school that you know some of Tennessee's defensive backs are doing. So you're just kind of making a lateral move there. If you're going to take a guy, 
you want to make sure that it's a for sure upgrade. So I do think that's part of it and just finding the right fit. I don't think they're going to, you know, go out and sign 10 guys after the bowl games, but I think we'll see some more movement there. Yeah. I think you look at like Sam Hartman at uh, Wake Forest who <laughs> this morning it was announced that he's going in the transfer portal and somehow everybody that reported that news knew that he was going to go to Notre Dame. Uh, I wonder why that would be. Yeah, how, that, how could he? How could they know? That made me think of this comment that Jeff made a second ago. There, he said he uh, saw that Tennessee tried to tamper with Hayden at OSU at Ohio State. I don't know if that's true or not, but I Maybe. would tell you that it probably is because everybody's tampering right now, and and that Sam Hartman deal is a perfect example of that. I mean, if you think that there aren't phone calls happening uh, between, and here's here's a popular way that it happens that we kind of know high school coaches have been kind of the conduit between schools where they're the ones making the calls for a guy from, you know, Wake Forest that wants to transfer to, to Notre Dame. Well, maybe that goes through uh, Sam Hartman's high school coach back in Charlotte. Uh, he's the one that's kind of setting that up possibly. I'm not saying for sure that's how Hartman's situation worked out, but we we do know that that's happening to some extent. So tampering – just like NFL free agency, when those deals are, are announced as soon as uh, the lead year starts, it's the same thing. It's, it's definitely happening. Yeah, guys text and talk. Uh, I mean, as far teammates, as talent, Hayden. Teammates, it, I mean, all these dudes know each yeah. other from the recruiting process. They're texting guys, hey, ask your coach. Tell your coach, uh, you know, I'm thinking about leaving. And, hey, this guy might want to transfer here. What do you think? I mean, that's, yeah, it's absolutely happening. Well, and as far as Dallin Hayden goes, I mean, I think Chris Foster in the comments right here, he said, how would it be tampering down Hayden's dad as an alum? That's absolutely true. His dad is is a, a very prominent former running back at Tennessee, Aaron Hayden. Uh, I mean, what you could do in that situation is go like, hey, Aaron, if your kid wants to come to Tennessee, tell him we got a fat paycheck for him and a starting spot and tell him to come on down. And you, that's not against the rules, I don't think. <laughs> at least not, not that I've heard. I And so... Uh, who knows there is no every part of this is speculation every part of it is speculation with sam hartman i mean you we're just making assumptions because people knew he was going to notre dame before he ever even i mean he's not in the transfer portal currently they just announced he's going to be uh but there's point being out of all that there's plenty of ways to circumvent these rules you can go around the bend and back any way that you have to. And and Lord knows that everyone who is coaching high-level college football, they know those ways. They know what to do. They know how to avoid these rules, unless they're Jeremy Pruitt. They know how to uh, to avoid those rules. So, um, you know, it is what it is. And outside of that, with Tennessee picking up uh, anybody, I, th I think there is a decent chance with this kid from Oregon. Um, Dante Thornton, receiver, sounds yeah. like. Yeah, and but then, uh, you know, otherwise – with with running backs or something like that, do you need a running back? I think they can be very passive with that one. You need defensive backs, and hopefully with that position, they're kind of going, okay, after the bowl games, there's going to be more. After spring practice, there's going to be more, and we'll add some over that time. And they're just not they're not panic-adding. They're not going out and um, trying to get anybody that they can at, at all. They're They're being selective, and I think that's – that's fine. And so uh, uh, Brent brings up a question here. Do collectives have any restrictions on being able to contact a player at another hmm. university? I don't the know. Collectives aren't. Yeah. So there's a real gray area with all this and there's not a lot of 
answers uh, to these questions. And we, we've worked on trying to get somebody on from one of these collectives, but it's kind of hard to, people don't really want to have those conversations because they kind of like operating in that gray area, if that makes sense. So it's, it, you're not, they're, they're not supposed to be involved in the recruitment of players, whether that's a high school recruit or another player. I mean, they're supposed to be like signed at Tennessee, enrolled before they're really helping them with NIL deals. And of course, all that, none of that's supposed to be pay for play or any of that. You're not supposed to offer anybody an NIL deal to come to a program technically. So a lot of the stuff that we talk about that's happening isn't really technically supposed to be happening as far as these offers that go out to these these kids. That's not the way it's supposed to be set up at all, but obviously that's what's happening. For sure. Uh, you, you have to play the game and they know how, but uh, Chris Foss, I was reading some of these comments. Chris Foss says, it seems like Tennessee will holler at uh, Marshawn mm-hmm. Lloyd. If they don't get him, it's not the end of the world. I've, I've seen some about this from the recruiting guys. Uh, I mean, yeah, you would, you would be totally remiss to not say, yeah. Hey, what's up to South Carolina's best offensive player who's transferring, <laughs> you know, like that's, that would be a mistake. So, Hey, if that happens, I could see one of Tennessee's running backs hitting the portal, though. I yeah. don't know which one it would be. My gut says maybe Dylan Sampson, just because he's from Louisiana. Perhaps he would go back that direction. Uh, Jabari Small is only – I think he's he's kind of entrenched himself as a key player. And Jalen Wright was kind of that same deal, really stepped up this year, ran a lot more physical and became a guy that could count on. But, yeah, if you take Lloyd, which I do think you have to take him because he's a really talented player, uh, I would think he's probably better than the players that Tennessee has in the running back room at this point. Uh, not that – I mean, I like Tennessee's running backs that they have. I think they'll be just fine. Like like the comment says, it, it, it's kind of a luxury if they do get him. But he might want to go somewhere where it's less crowded. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, he was. I was going to – look to see what his stats were and it's taken me too long well, well he missed way. some time with injury so he did they weren't the numbers weren't as you know great if you just look at it like that well either way i mean i, I think you would at least have to make a pass at him and it's kind of kind of the same with a kid like dallin hayden i mean like dude his dad's an alum at tennessee at least try i don't know throw it yeah. out there he's he's a he's a backup at ohio state come down to be a starter here and and make your name i I think it's uh, yeah, you can call it tampering, and it's technically against the rules. The NCAA is not going to do diddly flip and squat about any of this, um, and everyone is doing it. I mean, just look at Jordan Addison last year with USC and and uh, Lincoln Riley. I mean, Lincoln Riley has been doing that nonsense wide out in the open for years now. He did it to Tennessee. Three guys, yeah, three, yeah, yeah, three guys from Tennessee went over there and. I mean, you know that he was trying to, uh, how would you say that, <laughs> stick his finger in the Tennessee pie, so to speak, way before any of that went down. Of course, the irony there is that Lincoln bolted after one year with those guys, and then they miss out on a 10-2 and two year. Tennessee had a better wow. year than Oklahoma Lordy. in 2022. Who would have who thought that a couple a of years ago year. when, when Eric Gray and Wanya Morris and, and Keyshawn Lawrence were, were leaving Knoxville to head to head to Oklahoma, and, and I think Josh Heupel's taken some uh, pleasure in that as well because we've heard him multiple times reference the kids that left Tennessee in early 2021, and he's not really so much a shot at them, but he's praised the guys that stayed, that believed in his vision and his staff's vision 
And I think there's a part of him that's really smiling, knowing that, you know, they left what they thought. They thought they were leaving for greener pastures and they really left those pastures behind. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. A uh, little bit of karma. I'm not not going to lie with. I don't know. Some of those guys kind of left out of necessity because they were potentially involved. Yeah, that's in true. That happened. Um, but the no, guys I'm not left. Sure, I'm not sure how how much that impacted everything because they were still eligible at Oklahoma and nothing ever That's really true. came of that. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't, don't necessarily buy that that was the, the only way that they could keep playing. Yeah. But, and I mean, Danny says in the comments here, he says with Hugh freeze back in the sec, Tennessee better be, or better get good at it. Cause he's, he's doing already it doing forever. it. He's already Absolutely. doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I, I, I feel like I say it every week. SEC football is a snake pit. You gotta be a viper to win. And, and I think, underneath that kind exterior we've seen on multiple occasions that josh heupel's that guy yeah he's got the pettiness in him oh man i'm not not worried about that absolutely he he will go out there and shake your hand and make nice and then if he gets the opportunity he'll crush your soul i I think Mm -hmm. that's that's the type of guy that heupel is which is awesome i i love that and hopefully it you know it continues to pay dividends for tennessee but yeah you just you gotta you gotta do what everybody else is doing or else you're gonna get steamrolled so there's i do think with the portal, I do think, you know, talking about the running backs, like you said, you get one, that's fine. They need to focus on maybe get another DL. Uh, they probably need an offensive tackle at this point because you moved on that one. You missed on the one guy. The guy from Texas might play inside, replace uh, Jerome Carvin. So you yeah. still need a replacement for Darnell Wright. I think my priorities would be offensive tackle, DL, and, and uh, obviously some some secondary players. Plenty of needs. Because even a wide receiver, the kid from Oregon would be great. He's a big play threat. He, you know, he averaged 20 some yards a catch, I believe, which fits right in line with what Josh Heupel wants to do in the passing game. But even if you don't get him, I think you're still pretty good at wide receiver as long as you don't suffer a bunch of injuries. I mean, you're looking at Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, and, and Squirrel White being your, your top three guys next year, and Walker Merrill probably coming in there and playing a bigger role, which Believe it or not, he was like fourth on the team in receiving touchdowns this year. It didn't seem like that. He had he had like eight catches, and three of them went for touchdowns, which is just pretty wild to think about. So he could play a bigger role next year. I think you'll be okay at wide receiver if you don't get one, but it would certainly be nice uh, to get one. And Chris brings up add another tight end, definitely. Oh, yeah. Do need to add another tight end. I think that one from North Texas, Jake, is it Jake Roberts, mm-hmm. I think he's probably the best – not the best option, but the most likely option that, that would land. And and perhaps that's your next tight ends coach to the, the former North Texas head coach, Seth Luttrell, that was Josh Heupel's teammate at Oklahoma. That that could maybe be a package deal there. Yeah, there's a lot about that situation that makes sense for Tennessee. If you get Luttrell as your tight ends coach, it would make sense to get that kid in the tight ends room there. We'll we'll see, but I I think as the the next week passes, you're going to see more guys going to the portal, like like Hartman at Wake Forest. The bowl game's over. All right, time to put my name in the portal. You're going to see a lot of that, and and the the transfer landscape is going to continue to change over the next few months. And Tennessee will keep making moves through that. But anything else with the transfer portal, Zach, that we might have missed? I was trying to think. I think we covered the bulk of it. Yeah, I'm sure we missed something, but like it, it's it's a fluid deal where it's con- I mean it never closes. It's 24 seven, so you never know. You never really know what's going to happen. And, and Tennessee's kept a couple of these visits and these uh, commitments that they've got out of the portal pretty quiet. I mean that BYU deal was 
out of nowhere landing that linebacker and he even came to Knoxville and visited. So you might not hear any rumors and then just something all of a sudden pops up or he's got this guy. It seems like a lot of these dudes that go into the transfer portal, they, they like don't want it. They, they know what a recruitment is like where everybody is in their business 24 seven. And it's almost like a lot of them sort of go out of their way to be like, yeah, we're not doing that again. And they shut it down. The, the, you know, you're in the portal. You've been in a college program for at least a year. A lot of these guys are a lot longer and they're, they're a lot more media savvy. You know, they're, they're not oh, going to yeah. do the interviews. They're not going to, the high school kids will, will talk to the recruiting services and they'll tell them whatever they want to tell them. And, and they don't really turn interviews down, but these guys that have been on campus and they've been through this whole deal they're they're gonna keep to themselves and just do what they want to do they know they don't need to talk to anybody in the media they don't need hype they don't need any of that they can just they'll talk to the coaches and they'll they'll find the best spot for them well here is one last final thing i just noticed turkey man uh a legendary tennessee sports media caller and personality on twitter if you don't know um he asked me on Twitter, he said, will Tennessee take a QB in the transfer portal after the bowl game? I think that is very much up in the air. I thought if they needed to, I thought Sam Hartman would have been a incredible fit here. Um, obviously, I think he's off the table. He's going with Notre Dame. I, I think they're really hoping that Milton becomes the guy. I think that that's your best option right now. Have him be the bridge year to Nico and carry you to to nine plus wins next year, maybe if he can, and then call, you know, shake his hand, and say thanks. You, you you know you were never going to win us a national championship, but we're really we appreciate your effort. And then they can go to their to the guy that they have set up with Nico, or maybe Nico. I even you know sometimes true freshmen do come in occasionally and play, and it does happen. I but I would prefer something else. So I. Kind of feel like it hinges on this bowl game a little bit, maybe. I think so too. I think the only way they go after a quarterback is if Milton just looks terrible yeah. against Clemson. Otherwise, even if he's just okay, I don't I think they give it Milton his shot. I think they want to reward Milton for being loyal and for being such a good teammate over the past two years because it could have been a really awkward situation. I mean, we've seen plenty of quarterback situations that get really awkward. And this was one of the a lot of times guy like that loses his job they're in the portal the next week i mean we just saw it at clemson in the acc championship game uh i mean their quarterback didn't even stay through the bowl game so they really don't have a a good backup option at all i think they want to reward him and i think that that uh, there's two ways to look at that one do you look at next year as kind of like a mini rebuilding year before they really get these recruits in that they're that they they're bringing in and maybe 2024 is their next championship window uh possibly that that's the case and they're just using 2023 i mean obviously you want to win every game you play but you're kind of building towards that in 2024 developing nico if that's their focus they can really build some goodwill on the recruiting trail and with quarterbacks in general by the way they handle the milton situation i mean the guy sits for almost two full seasons then gets his shot and they stay loyal to him down the road that could help tennessee in bringing a quarterback in uh, because that's going to be a I mean, that's going to be a dance that every team has to play pretty much every year. We heard Kirby Smart say last week that, you know, they didn't sign a quarterback and they might not be signing a lot of quarterbacks going forward because they'll just go get a guy in the portal. And every year or every two years, it might be a different guy at Georgia 
that's starting. And that's probably going to be the way that more teams start handling uh, this. If you're a program like Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee's hoping that that's what they're going to be as well, you can kind of go get a guy whenever you want one because you're going to be the school where all the quarterbacks want to go. Uh, so I think the way they treat Milton possibly could help them down the road with that. But otherwise, I think it's probably going to be Milton Jackson, Taven Jackson, and Nico. And, and that's a pretty good quarterback room. Taven Jackson's a talented kid that I think people forget about. He made some – he didn't see a lot of playing time this year, but he made a couple of really – throws that really impressed me, just where he was kind of off schedule, uh, kind of had to improvise a little bit. I thought I saw – you know, he flashed a little bit there. So I think he's a guy that maybe people shouldn't sleep on, and, and you definitely don't want him to transfer because – yeah. As talented as Nico is, you still don't know what he's going to be when he gets out there or when he's going to be ready. And if something happens to Joe Milton, you've got to have a guy that's instantly ready to go. And, and Taven's been in the offense. He he can step in and run the offense. How well, we don't know, but we do know that he he understands the offense and what Hypo wants to do because uh, he's got a whole year in it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to think about, like, I don't go back and find this, uh, please. But I remember... <laughs> Before the before last season, um, Milton was kind of the presumed starter. He had come mm-hmm. in and he was kind of the the hot name. We we're like, oh man, this is Heupel's transfer. He's bringing him in for a reason. He wants him to play, and and I think so. I I mean, I had been at the spring game and had seen fall practices, and I was like, Hooker ain't it. He's just not. He's not going to see the field because he just is not the dude. Um, and I, li- I remember I said things like that. <laughs> so I think a lot of people did, I, you know, he, he just didn't specifically, I remember in that spring game, just being unimpressed and just saying, I don't think that he's going to factor into this much at all. He's just there for the competition and to kind of stack that room a little bit, make sure you got a decent backup. And so, yeah, with Jackson, who knows, maybe during this off season, he, he develops, gives real competition to Milton and ends up taking the job. I, I think that's something that hasn't been talked about at all. We've been assuming that he's going to probably fall down the depth chart and leave, but what if he's your starter next year? Who who knows? Um, but I think that is a pretty good transition into the main topic of conversation for this episode of the Big Orange Podcast. Um, Tennessee in the Orange Bowl against Clemson. As we're saying, kind of a tryout for Joe Milton of sorts to see how he'll play. And that, I think, is the question for everybody in this one. Really, it's the quarterback position for both teams because I think a lot of people want to know if the way that Klubnik played against uh, North Carolina was real because North Carolina's defense is hot garbage, and he played really well against them, but they're terrible. And then with Milton... I think everybody sees the physical gifts, but he overthrows people a lot and he hasn't really had had a true chance to shine in my opinion. So it's all just kind of up in the air and let's, let's start there. I don't want to build in excuses right from the jump, but let's be honest here. If you think you know what's about to happen in this game, I, I mean, you are a fortune teller, I guess, just because I think there's so many factors in this one that to me, this game just like screams weird, like weird stuff is going to happen. There's going to be some turnovers. There's going to be some, just, just some something that happens in this one that where we kind of walk away and we go like, man, we should have known that that one was going to be crazy. Uh, so Tennessee, do you think I'll, I'll ask it this way to start. Do you think Tennessee has what it takes 
takes to beat Clemson in this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I absolutely think Tennessee can win this game without without a doubt. Even with Joe Milton, Clemson, you know, they went ten and two. People forget there was times when they looked pretty rough this season. I mean, that game against Wake Forest, they got very lucky and they gave up fifty one points uh, to that offense in overtime. They they got blown out by Notre Dame. Uh, they had, I mean, they were kind of like Tennessee in some ways where there, there were games where it's just like, what, who is this team? Like who, this isn't the the team that, that we thought was going to show up today. So specifically with that South Carolina game for Tennessee, yeah, I mean, without a doubt they can beat them, but I'm like you, I don't know what to expect because I don't know what Joe Milton's going to do. I don't know how, how consistent he's going to be, uh, how much, how much it, rhythm and timing he's gonna have down with like Brew McCoy and Romel Keaton I mean we know he's kind of got a nice connection with Squirrel White but can he do it for 60 minutes you know we've seen kind of these small spurts with him of these these big plays late in games we haven't seen him do it for a whole 60 minutes since the the Bowling Green game last year because the Vanderbilt game like we've talked about it was a rainy game it was a lot of handoffs uh, it was a it was an odd game in itself and it wasn't a good game to really evaluate what Milton can do and on the flip side, Klubnik, like you said, he's the same way. True freshman. He's played in some big games in high school. He's from Texas. Played in some of those huge Texas playoff games, high school playoff games, where they get like 30,000 people to a game. So he's – I don't think the pressure is really going to get to him. He seems like a pretty even kill kid, what I've seen. But you really don't know what to expect from him either. I mean, that one game against UNC is not a good game to judge him on because their defense, like you said, is not that great. And I know people say the same thing about Tennessee's defense. Tennessee's defense has looked really, really bad at times, and it's looked really, really good at times. Like that Kentucky game where they shut down, you know, a top ten quarterback, you know, Will Levis, or what people say is going to be a top ten pick. Uh, I, I don't see it, but a lot of people that do that for a living, that scout these guys, that watch have watched a lot more film than I have, do think that. And Tennessee shut him down, you know, and, and they did pretty well against Vanderbilt team that was playing pretty good at the time and, and against uh, Missouri in that second half. So they've had times where they've looked pretty good. So, you know, can can they rattle him? Can they get to him? Can they pressure him? I think that's going to be the key to get to Klubnik is, is getting pressure on him because he is a true freshman. He hasn't dealt with uh, SEC pressure in his face. And, and I probably – I don't think he will deal well with it if Tennessee can get to him. I think they can force him into some really bad mistakes. But if, if they give him time, he'll pick apart the defense, uh, the secondary, without a doubt. And – my biggest concern is Will Shipley, the running back for Clemson, and how they use him in the passing game. Because Tennessee does not seem to be able to cover a running back in the passing game. I don't know if you saw I tweeted out that clip last night of uh, the Pittsburgh game where the tight end kind of ran like a running back on a wheel route. Jeremy Banks got totally lost in coverage and just forgot where he was at. And he made the catch, hurdled a defender, you know, goes 70-some yards for the touchdown. Those kind of plays are what I worry about in this Clemson game. Anthony Malley in the comments, he says, Clemson's offense looked rough with DJ as QB, but pretty good once they benched DJ. I would say in the North Carolina game, go back and watch that Notre Dame game, and he looked like hot garbage. And well, Klubnik looked like hard garbage. Yeah, so did DJ in that game. They got pressure <laughs> on him. They got like pressure on him though, and he threw some interceptions. That's where I was going. I think you hit the nail on the head with the pressure. I think they get to this kid, he could be cooked. It's like just um, blitz, just all out blitz. Like if dude, yes. If you give him time, Tennessee's secondary is not good enough to stop really any 
talented quarterback at this point. They're just not. And Clemson doesn't have amazing wide receivers. They do have a, a, a true freshman that's kind of coming on right now, Cole Turner, that I think he had 100 yards against UNC. It was really the first time they've they've used him. So they got some talent there, but they don't have really proven like wide receivers that are just game breakers. But even then, if you give him time, they'll make the plays and they'll go right down the field. So I don't know. I would think just play man coverage and bring everybody and and make him make him make them block you. I mean that's yeah. that's I mean, what I, 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 I want to say I said it last week. I apologize for, apologize if I'm repeating myself, but I mean with some of the amount some in some of these games, the amount of time that Tennessee has provided quarterbacks to sit back and throw the ball, a middle school quarterback could sit back there and make some decent throws. <laughs> I mean Good Lord, it was horrendous. Like Jeff is saying in the comments, Tennessee let Spencer Rattler go off. Klubnik will be fine. Yeah, Spencer Rattler sat back there and he, you know, read a book and, and you know, had time to study for his finals in, while he was in the pocket and just sat there. And then eventually, oh, here's the throw. And then he would had somebody to throw to eventually. Yeah, if you do that, that'll happen. And so, I mean... I, I couldn't agree more. Just pin your ears back. Just let it go. Yeah, they might hit you over the top a few times, but with your offense, I think you're going to do the same to them. Um, and so just go for it, please. Like, because that has just been what brings success for this defense. And you, yeah, you can't let Shipley get out in space. He'll toast you. Because um, Tennessee, I, I don't know if it's ability or coaching there, but they're tackling some of both, I think. But their tackling has been laughable at times and so you know you get Shipley with the ball in his hands and green grass around him I don't like Tennessee's chances especially from the DBs I don't like Tennessee's chances of getting getting him on the ground easily and so I I think you look it's gotta come down to get to Klubnik that's it, it yeah you and don't can, let him get out of the pocket either because he can't make plays with his legs yeah he he definitely is not a run first guy but he can and so you can't let him do that either. So just get him down onto the ground and don't let him make the throws. Because, yeah, when when this defense has had success, that is what has happened. When you you look back at like some of the most impressive games, the LSU game, they didn't get burned uh, by Daniels in that game. Um, the, he wasn't – I think he got better over the course of the season. It might have been a little different if they played later in the season, but he never was able to hit them over the top. They contained him when he tried to run. And, and they, uh, you know, they got him a few times in the backfield. I want to say, what, four sacks in that game or something like that. And that's when you look at where Tennessee had success, you'll see four sacks in that game. I, I don't know how many it was against Kentucky, but I want to say it was multiple. And then obviously all the interceptions in that game, too. I mean, Levis was just garbage in that one. Um, and that obviously helped. But that to me on defense, it just comes down to that. Can you get to him? And you really don't have excuses outside of Jeremy Banks being out, you have your guys. The DBs, for the most part, should be healthy. I think the one that I've seen is still a little up in the air is Trey Flowers, actually, surprisingly to me. I mean, they still haven't really talked about what exactly that injury is. Um, but for mo most of those guys that were hurt near the end of the season, I think we'll be back and, and ready to go. None of them are leaving for the NFL. <laughs> Lord knows they weren't good enough to do that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you're, you're going to be refreshed there. Uh, I think you saw some flashes in terms of pass rush. You saw some flashes from a guy like Wesley Walker that maybe you could get involved if you really bring the house. Um, and and so I just say, man, just go for it. Because I'm not, I'll say, I'll watch that game. And if you, 
if you really pin your ears back, I'm not going to fault you. Some people might. Sure. I'm not going to, though, because I think that's where this defense excelled this season. So, um, you know, we, we can obviously talk about offense here in just a second. But as far as defensive success, I I don't know. That just seems like the, the path you got to take. Yeah, I think, you know, Danny brought it up. He said he doesn't understand uh, why Tennessee got away from what worked for them against LSU and, and, and Bama and some of these other games. And they didn't blitz against South Carolina. That was the biggest thing about that game is, you know, the execution wasn't great, but it was a bad game plan, too. It was the first time I know there's a lot of uh, it's polarizing. Tim Banks is kind of a polarizing figure at the Tennessee fan base. Some people like him. Some people think that he's the completely to blame for Tennessee's defensive struggles. But that South Carolina game was the only game where I really thought he had a bad game plan. I mean, you can have a great game plan, but if you don't have the guys to execute it, it doesn't really matter. And I think that was the situation he was in a few times. But South Carolina was just a was just a really bad defensive game plan combined with a combined with a group of players that, for whatever reason, just didn't show up that night in Columbia. So yeah, you 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 got to come up with a better game plan because Clemson's looking at that South Carolina tape. Uh, Brandon Streeter, their offensive uh, coaches today, mentioned that, that they looked at what South Carolina did and how they were able to beat Tennessee. And it, they were able to hit some of those big plays. And I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about Clemson's running game. They got a, a guy that ran for, you know, 1,100 yards this season. Tennessee's players were talking about how good Clemson's running game is. I think they're going to get away from that a little bit and try to hit Tennessee with some big plays. And because they know that Tennessee's capable of scoring a lot of points quickly. And slowing the game down doesn't always work necessarily. We, uh, Kentucky learned that the hard way. South Carolina kind of showed, hey, and if, unless you're Georgia and have that kind of defensive talent, you got to get in a shootout with these guys and, and and figure out a way to win. So I think Clemson might, you know, they, they have a better offensive quarterback back there with, with Klubnik now. Maybe that's the route they try to go in this game. So if Banks goes out there with the same game plan he had against South Carolina, it, it could get ugly. You got to be careful. I mean, I I know, and I um, actually like this comment. Uh, yeah, here it is, right here. Whoop, that's the wrong one. Kevin Brown says this game could really be like the pit game if we get to the QB. I think that's exactly right because yeah. the the Pittsburgh game this season was as much as Tennessee can be involved in a defensive struggle. That was it. Where when it got late into that second half, just neither team could score. Pitt was doing a good job stopping Tennessee and, and Tennessee was doing a good job stopping Pitt with their backup quarterback. And so, yeah, if, if you can get Klubnik uncomfortable making bad plays, he's also turnover prone, or at least has been. I, I mean, I remember watching him in that Notre Dame game through a horrific interception in that one. Um, and so you can get him into bad plays and maybe capitalize if he does make bad plays. So I, uh, I think it, it could be, and I, I almost think that might be the ideal outcome because I don't see the offense scoring like it did with Hooker. I just don't. I, I have a hard time thinking that that will be the case. But uh, I could see Tennessee rattling Klubnik and, and him just having an off game. I mean, it's it's a one-off thing. You're not playing a series against Clemson. It is one game, and if he has an off game, he is a freshman. I think maybe in time, he could end up being an, an unflappable powerhouse quarterback but this kid has had more bad games than he has had good games so far in his career. In fact, he's had one good game and like a number of bad games. When he had come in in relief before the North Carolina game, he had been pretty abysmal. So I, I think there's a good chance he has a bad game. 
And and that's that's how you would win. Make him have a bad game, and then you do enough on offense with Milton, and and that's how you could win. Uh, and let's go to that now. Tennessee's offense. Milton is not. Milton is a huge concern in this one, just in terms of how he might play. But I mean, no Jalen Hyatt, and it no goes Cedric down. Tillman. Well, sure. No Cedric Tillman. He probably wouldn't have right. played. Well, I don't know. He was he was able to play late in the season, but he he wasn't. He wouldn't have even been a hundred percent. I don't think even if he did play. But yeah, no Cedric Tillman. No Jalen Hyatt. Uh, you do thankfully Darnell Wright is playing, and I think that's massive. Yes, um, great protection at right tackle. But I think the running game is going to be huge. Clemson's run defense is better than their pass defense. I think you will be able to hit them over the top, um, especially with that bomb ball that Milton likes to throw. But can they do enough? Like that really is the question. And I, I'm not sure if it becomes a shootout. I'm not sure. Well, more than Milton, because obviously the passing game gets so much of the of the attention. But Tennessee fans know, and a lot of other opposing fans have, have learned this the hard way as well. When you actually watch Tennessee, they run the ball more than they pass the ball. I mean, they, they're a running team. They want to run the ball, and that opens up everything else. So I think that really is the key on offense. Can they run the ball? Because if they can't run the ball against this Clemson defensive front, which, like you said, they're good at stopping the run, I mean, that allows Clemson to, to kind of drop some extra guys into coverage. And then when they start playing that, where they want to keep everything in front of in front of them, that's where teams have had some success against Tennessee. If they can stop the run without loading the box and then dropping guys into coverage, that's the ideal game plan against Tennessee. But you have to prove you can do it. Uh, Tennessee ran the ball really well against Vanderbilt. Obviously, Clemson has a better defense than Vanderbilt, but still, you saw some explosiveness from uh, Dylan Sampson especially. Maybe you get him more involved in this game because he really can – uh, one cut and kind of take it to the house type of guy. And, and Jalen Wright uh, can do that as well. Jabari Small, not quite as fast, but has, has made some some big plays for Tennessee this year. If those three guys can get it going, then maybe Joe Milton can get into a rhythm where he, he can take those deep shots on like a second and three because they picked up seven yards on first down. And if they miss it, it's not the end of the world. They can, you know, a manageable third down situation where they can keep moving the chains. If they get into some like second and 12 situations because they're not able to run the ball and then you want Joe Milton to, you know, connect on some of these intermediate routes where he's shown some problems or these shorter routes where he's shown some problems with consistency, his accuracy and throwing the ball 100 miles an hour when the receiver's six yards from him. That's where I think this thing could turn south really quick. So it's kind of cliche to say it, but it really all starts at the running game for me. Yeah, I, I think there is a very good game plan that could be put in place where it is a combination of the running that Tennessee has done so far this season that's been effective and involving Milton and getting him downhill using his body. I mean, the guy is huge (laughs) and should be a tank out there. That'll be interesting for sure to see how he does run the ball because we, you know, the end of the uh, 2021 season, or not the end, the old Miss game, the last time we really saw him run the ball, it was disastrous. He, he avoided contact. And we've seen him run it a few times this year where he didn't shy away from contact. But we again, we, we haven't seen him in a full-game setting to see how he will 
manage a game for 60 minutes and how he'll, you know, will he try to save his body or will he go all out for it on, in the first quarter on a, you know, play where he needs to scramble for 15 yards. I want him to go all out, man. I, I think <clears> he will. You, you got all off season to, you know, obviously don't, don't play yourself into a catastrophic injury, but uh, so do, do slide when it's necessary and things like that. But um, I think he knows what's at stake. I think yes. he knows this is his audition. And as much as, they're not going to talk about that inside the locker room. They see the outside noise. It's unavoidable. He knows you have what to state. You have to know that that's what this is. And I, I just wonder exactly what they'll draw up. Will they emphasize him in the run? Because I think that could end up being the X factor in this one. I really do. How does he play when plays break down? Because that's Hooker was so good at that. I mean, it was a backbreaker in some of those games where, you know, a team thought they had him and he would escape and turn it into a 25 oh, yeah. yard run. That and Florida game. It was like, oh. was it third down? I think. And he was, I mean, they had him and he had the right 35 yards and, and really was a turning point in that game. Yes. I like that could be huge. And then actual designed runs and, and using him that way and, and option. Uh, Hooker was option really good plays. at the goal line as well. Yeah, anything like that. I I think that there's plenty to take advantage uh, of there with him. And then obviously passing over the top and then where it gets squirrely is anything that's not passing over the top. But I think I also, want it to get squirrely. We, we want to see squirrel. That's out there. true. I want it to get squirrely when they go over the top. But I think yeah. in those mid those mid range plays, I really think that they could get the ball to Ramel Keaton. I think this could be huge in this game. He could be the perfect sort of third down safety valve where it's third and eight. And you go, okay, what are they going to do? Milton can't complete a pass that's only eight yards because he rockets the ball in there. And you can run a, you know, maybe a 15-yard crossing route to Mel Keaton. He's still going to rocket the ball in there, but he's going to get the ball there. We've seen in games where he's played, he has been better this season at that intermediate passing over the middle. Yes. O over the middle specifically, he has genuinely been pretty good. Yes. I'm sure it feels like catching a stone for those receivers, but fight through it, catch that ball. And I think there's some success that can be had there. Um, the thing that obviously scares me is he, I don't know that he has ever shown that when there is just an easy short throw he can just make it i almost see an easy short throw for milton you know maybe you scramble out of the pocket you got a guy it's it's third and three he scrambles out of a pocket he's got a guy wide open at four yards and you're like i don't know is he gonna just launch it over his head i'm not sure he like, threw it at, was it squirrel in the vanderbilt game or was it the south carolina game when he came in where he was about seven yards away and just threw yeah. it straight off his chest i mean squirrel had no chance no chance oh, like i would almost you. want to move out of the way they gotta get him improving with that i mean he did just... have moments this year there was a, there was a specifically a play against akron i know it's akron but i really didn't care about the opponent it was just a throw that he made. It was one to Walker Merrill when he scored a touchdown. And it was about a 25-yard pass where we've seen, you know, Joe Milton throw that thing like he's a shortstop throwing it at the first base. Uh, just about the same distance there. 
and he he showed some nice touch. You know, it was it was in the air. He had a little air under it, not too much. Hit hit Walker Merrill in stride for the score. So he has it in him. It's just consistently doing it. Yes. Um, I think there is a good game that can be played by Joe Milton here. I really, really do. And for Tennessee to win, it has to be that good game for Joe Milton and a bad game for Clubbing. It has to be the combination of those two things. That's how Tennessee will win this game, if they do. So uh, is there... Anything else that you think is is integral to this conversation before we do our predictions? We're about to cross an hour here. Um, but any other factors that you see as far as this goes before we predict? I'm just really interested to see their game plan, their offensive game plan. Does it change a lot because Joe Milton's in there? Now, Tennessee's different. They don't you know, it's not the same every single week. They do a lot based on what they think the defense is going to do and they adjust on the fly. But they're going to try to play to Milton's strengths. Like you mentioned, those throws over the middle. That's not something Tennessee does a lot. They did it more this year than they did last year. They kind of utilize the middle of the field uh, more, but still most of their stuff is outside. Those receivers are split so wide. Most of those throws are outside the numbers. Uh, you know, so do they, do they change that up a little bit? Uh, how much do they run the ball? Do they let Joe come out just firing like they kind of did against Vanderbilt that early third with Jalen Hyatt that they hit there almost scored a touchdown on it? That, that's going to be interesting to me to see how they kind of game plan around Milton's strengths and do they have any designed runs? Do they try to get him out in space a little bit? Just, he's so big and hard to tackle. Uh, that's, you know, it, it's a chess game and Hypel's good at that. I mean, he's really good at these chess games and, you know, Clemson's. On the other side, trying to figure out what Tennessee's going to do with Milton because they have limited tape on Joe Milton, so they don't really know exactly you know, what Tennessee's going to do. And that kind of makes me think that they do change the game plan up a little bit just because Clemson, you know, they, they can study what Hendon Hooker's done all year, but they can't study what Joe Milton's done all year. So if they kind of play to Joe's strengths and get away from some of the things they did with Hooker, maybe they catch Clemson off guard a little bit uh, more than they more than we think they will. I want them to throw everything in the kitchen sink at Clemson in this one, man. I, I think they will. I mean, they're going to play to win. This is not God. like they're not going to be out there. Well, let's see what we got in this, uh, you know, Walker Merrill. Can he play a feature role? No, you know, it's going to be your main guys out there. That they think can win the game. This isn't a development game. This isn't a let's see what we have for 2023. This is the last game of 2022 and they want to go out with a win. They don't. They didn't like going out with that loss against Purdue last year in the bowl game. The defense didn't play well in that game. It's a lot of the same guys out there in defense. Uh, it's a prideful bunch of guys, and, and you've heard it in the way they've talked about that South Carolina game. Everybody wants an explanation about what happened at South Carolina. Everybody wants to blame it on Jeremy Bates or was there drama in the locker room. And, and the truth is it was, it was just a bad night. It was just a really bad night. We've seen that team have bad nights before. We saw it against Purdue last year even at times against Alabama and Florida in that second half towards the end of the game where they were kind of letting Florida go right down the field. I mean, they have these two identities. They can look like one of the best defenses in the country against Kentucky, who, who is a, a well-coached team. And they can look really bad against South Carolina team that's comparable to Kentucky, in my opinion. So I think they're going to want to go out there and prove that they're not that team that played against South Carolina. They're going to go out there with a purpose and, and try to shut down Clemson. I'm projecting a lot here, but I think this game is genuinely really meaningful because 
you do have to think if you win this game and Milton looks really impressive, the talk about Tennessee in this offseason is going to be preseason top 10. If they win by like 21, they're preseason top five. Yeah. I mean, it's that it's going to be like that. If if Milton really shows I out, love, I don't love the idea of being top five. Yeah. Makes me uncomfortable as a Tennessee fan. You, I remember two thousand better as underdogs. I remember two thousand and five, and it didn't work out well. Yeah, <laughs> we're much better as underdogs. But I mean, pre- preseason top ten, Milton will be talked about as a Heisman contender. You know, go down that road. I also think so much recruiting gets done in that off season, and if you show like we not only did it to a ten and two season with the starters, we took the backup and we went and we beat Clemson. So just think, you come here, we're going to develop you. You're going to end up just like Joe Milton, and, and you're going to have this success. Like, it can give you a sales pitch in the offseason with recruiting. And so it, it isn't just bragging rights over beating Clemson. Obviously, that will be extremely gratifying. But I almost go, if you lose this game, it's not the end of the world. I Overall, Clemson is a more talented team with a coach that has won national championships. If you lose that game, I I certainly will not be happy. But I will not be shocked. I would put it that way. So, I, I man, a, a win could just be really useful and really big. And I think Hypo wants these guys to play with a ton of pride. And I think they're gonna because um, they think it's a pretty special group that he has this season. And I, I just want to see in this one, throw everything at Clemson. Everything you got. Run Joe Milton. Hit him over the top. Hit him over the, the middle show them things that that they haven't seen all season long. Because Milton has a different skill set than Hooker had. Find it. Figure out what that is. Utilize it. Because there's just something to be had there that I think Heupel could could draw up, scheme up. And I think the, the month to prepare is big in this one. That's That's where I think, like, Jeremy Banks being out, I hope will be different this time around because it seemed – devastating in a lot of ways against South Carolina. Well, you had a month to prepare about it, uh, prepare for it now. And, and I yeah, wonder- and before anybody says they had a good, they've had a good idea for several weeks now that Jeremy Banks won't be yeah. playing. This isn't a six days before the game, like last time and it got thrown on them. That rumor about the, the academics was almost happening before the Vanderbilt game. And yeah. I mean, it, it was happening really during that South Carolina game. So yeah, that, that was no surprise. And, so they're going to have plenty of time to prepare. Please, Tim Banks, go after the quarterback, dear God, please. And then I think Heupel, you give him a month. I mean, you just look at how successful he's been off of bye weeks. Um, and I, I trust him to be able to to figure it out, at least offensively. <laughs> um, I mean, you look at the bowl game last year against Purdue. I mean, they they roasted Purdue offensively. That was certainly not the problem in that one. Just Purdue was beating you with a lot of backup players, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, their best wide receiver didn't play, and their best pass <sighs> rusher didn't play. Yeah, not not great, Bob. But it's a new year, new bowl game, um, and so just give give them everything that you have because, as I said at the beginning, this one just screams weird to me. Weird stuff is going to happen. There's going to be weird bounces. There's going to be weird turnovers. There's going to be things that happen in this game where we go. No, and it just that's the type of game that it feels like to me. So give it everything that you have. I just don't want to walk away and be like, what was Heupel doing? Why was that the game plan? 
Like, I think we, a lot of us saw the beginning of the Vanderbilt game where they, they weren't running Milton at all and all these things. And a lot of us were like, I feel like we could be up by like 28 right now, but we're not. And then obviously you've, ripped them a new one in the second half on the ground things like that it ended up not really mattering but i don't want to have this feel that feeling in this bowl game i want that first drive to come and be like oh yeah they're gonna do this this i you know milton has some design runs they try to hit them over the top they you know they do the things that we want to see them do with joe milton and and maybe some things that we're not thinking of i'm sure Heupel being this sort of offensive genius he is. I'm sure there's plenty of things that we're not even considering that they could do. But I I just don't want to walk away from this game going, well, what if they would have just... Bleh. No. I want to go like, you came up... If you lose, I want to be like, you came up just short. You gave it... It's It was 48 to 47 and you did every single thing that you could. It was in overtime and it just didn't... The ball didn't bounce your way. Like, that's the worst thing the worst outcome I want to see in this one. Cause it just, I think it can be really meaningful if you win. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't like to project too much off what next season will look like based on a bowl game. I know that's what will happen. Like we were talking about that'll, that'll oh, yeah. determine <laughs> the level of hype, but I mean, Purdue's a good example of that. They beat Tennessee with backups last year and Tennessee ends up having a much better year this year than Purdue had this year. I mean, Purdue went to the big 10 championship game, but they were eight and four, you know, getting there. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, they had this great magical season by any means. So I don't, I don't think we need to glean too much from this game either way. I think it's just major for momentum uh, recruiting hype. Like you mentioned, you go 11 and two with a win over Clemson, a motivated Clemson team that really only has one opt out and they're missing uh, miles Murphy who opted out and they have a linebacker that's out as well due to injury. But this is a Clemson Clemson team that prides themselves on showing up in games like this. This isn't, Alabama uh, before when they miss the playoff and then they get blown out in a bowl game because they don't want to be there. Uh, Clemson is, is they want to be there. They want to win this game. And, and so does Tennessee. So it, it will be a meaningful win if they win. I, I don't think it'll tell us much about what to expect next season. I don't think we need to go crown Tennessee's a national championship contender or not a championship contender based on the outcome of this game. But I do understand that the perception going into the offseason will be based a lot on what we saw in this game more so than what we saw you know in september and october when it seemed like tennessee could do no wrong yep well with that said let's predict it zach and i'll say this um it is three days before the game so if something happens in between now and then and you're watching this back just know we didn't know about it at the time um, so as of now, Tennessee, Hyatt, Banks, Tillman are opt-outs. Injuries were not, that they're kind of keeping that under wraps, but it seems like for the most part, Tennessee is going to be healthy and Clemson's also going to be healthy. Uh, Clemson's opt-outs, the two guys on the defensive line, uh, Trenton Simpson and, uh, uh, Miles Murphy, Miles Murphy. Miles Murphy, they're essentially their best defensive player out of this mm-hmm. one. And then uh obviously DJ Leongole gone. He's Gonzo and and Klubnik will be your quarterback. So that's the situation. Again, if something happens between now and then, we didn't know. But your thoughts, Zach. Who is winning this one and why? 
Yeah, it's a it's a complete toss up game for me, uh, just because of the weirdness and so many unknowns. And because of those unknowns, I feel like I feel like you have to give the edge to Clemson just because they've been there. Dabo's been in these games. These players have been in these big games. These you know bowl games that are in nice locations and kind of Tennessee's first foray into this uh, type of world outside of Josh Heupel these guys haven't really haven't really been on a trip like this to Miami where there's a lot of hype for this game and a lot of media and a lot of all this you know every move that you make is is planned I mean they go to the beach and there's there's media there for a, a viewing opportunity and they're having to deal with all that while also preparing for a game and I'm not saying they're not capable of it but you know, I just feel like you have to give the edge to the coach that's been there before and the players, uh, you know, outside of Klubnik, obviously. A lot of Clemson's roster that's kind of been around and been used to playing in games like this. So it's it's not that I don't think Tennessee can't win. It's not that, you know, really think that I, I don't feel like either team, like I don't have a, a gut feeling either way towards this game. That's why I feel like, hey, just give it the edge to Clemson because they've been there. So, I mean, I think, they never got Clemson winning 30, or 38-31. 38-31, a touchdown win for Clemson. Um, everyone in the comments berate Zach for choosing Clemson to win this game. I also hope this uh, is like good luck for Tennessee. I mean, it's not like I want Tennessee <laughs> to lose at all. Obviously. Obviously. I, mean, I got Tennessee hoodie on under here. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not yeah, nothing like that. We're both in Tennessee gear. Um, we're not going to be like the media that pretend to not cheer for Tennessee. Because no. that's pretty much every single media member <laughs> at this I, point. I am a massive Tennessee fan, a Tennessee alum. I hide nothing. Yeah, um, you gotta be professional in the press box, but but that's the only time. Yeah. And even in the press box, internally, I'm screaming. Just know that. <laughs> um. So with this game, uh, I've said it this whole show so far. It's gonna be a weird one. I just feel it coming. You can feel it in the air. There's just something here. Oh, and and I'll I'll say this to everybody that's watching. Uh, we got a bunch of you in here right now. Drop your prediction into the comments, wherever Facebook, YouTube, wherever you might be watching. Give us your prediction, and we'll read them uh, after I give mine. Uh, we'll we'll read what you think is going to be the outcome of this one. Um, I it just feels like something strange is afoot, uh, and so. I I could see between the two teams four turnovers. Strip sack, interception, fumble from running backs, and that throws a wrench into whatever ends up happening. I, I don't know if Tennessee can answer, if Clemson can answer off of that. There's some elements like that. And then I think it's close all the way through. I, I don't think that there's, it just feels like I've especially seen from Clemson media. It feels like they think they're going to blow Tennessee out. That's really their thought. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I think they're discounting. Um, they're discounting Milton. I think that Hypel draws things up for him here with a month to prepare. And Milton seizes the moment. Finally, I think he has his opportunity and he seizes this moment, keeps this game competitive all the way through. Now, Milton seizing this moment doesn't mean I don't say that and be like and go, Tennessee's gonna win by 20. That's not what I mean by seizing the moment. I think Milton seizing the moment is Tennessee hangs in this game. It's Clemson's defense is good. It's a good defense. And so I think Tennessee hangs in, they keep it close, it's winnable in the fourth, 
And I'm going to say Tennessee beats Clemson in this one. I, it just it, bowl games strange, man. That's weird true. stuff happens all the time. And a weird thing like this, me choosing choosing Tennessee to win, being the optimist in the situation, that's a weird thing. So I'm going to do the weird thing about the game that I think is going to be weird. Tennessee wins this one. I will say uh, I'll go 35-34. A little low for Tennessee, low scoring. (laughs) You're going to make us nervously wait out an extra point to win the game? (laughs) Maybe. I I don't know how that will manifest, but I say 35-34. One-point win. Tennessee squeaks it out right there at the end. That's that's what I'll say. Milt, Milton has the game where we go, oh man, he's the guy for next year. And then and then that's uh how we walk away. I've this year has turned me. This year for Tennessee sports has turned me where I go, Tennessee can in the big moment do the thing. You win uh, the SEC tournament in in basketball. You win it in baseball. You win huge games in both of those sports. You win huge games in football. You beat Alabama in football, folks. You beat Alabama. Like, miracles happen every day. (laughs) Like, these things can happen. And so I say this season gets capped off with a special moment. And and you end up... Beating Clemson in the Orange Bowl and, and Klubnik has a has a rough game and you're able to get to him. And and I say Tennessee wins. That's if, uh, where I'll go. If, if your prediction comes true, Tennessee wins this game. Is this uh 2022 Tennessee team essentially this generation's version of the 85 Tennessee team, the Sugar Balls? Is that, you know, do you put them in that territory? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, they will be remembered in a way that's different from other, like, good teams. We remember the 2016 team fondly. That was a good team. They were fun. They won nine games. But Butch was the coach. Butch was a clown. You know, there's always those caveats. I think this season would be special in a different way. I mean, 11 wins in year two for your new coach. Like... I know the I don't know about the sugar balls because I wasn't alive. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not old enough to but I understand remember, what it was like in that moment. Exactly. But I remember back to like a 2001 where you came up a game short from the national championship. I remember in the moment being disappointed. I mean, that was a real disappointment. You would have played in the national championship, you lost the SEC championship game. But we look at back at that and we go like that was one of the one of the great ones there was a really that was a special season you win at florida after the game gets postponed for 9-11 you know we were there and like there's just moments like that i think you'll look back on this season yeah you didn't win a national championship but this was a special one this one stands out you're going to talk about this one for a really long time almost no matter what happens in this bowl game but if you end up you cap it off with a win over clemson without a doubt you will have some really really special wins a number of them um obviously the the top of the mountain there being beating Alabama, but uh, and, and I wonder how much that would eat up a Clemson fan to know that even if Tennessee were to beat Clemson, it wouldn't even come close to beating Alabama. That's not even like remotely. I hope if there are any Clemson fans watching, just know you think that we would think it would be really special to beat Clemson, and it would be beating Alabama will forever be 
a hundred times better than that. <laughs> like there's no outcome here that could be like that. So yeah, I think Tennessee fans, obviously you want to beat Clemson, but they want to beat Dabo like that's Yes. They want to shut Dabo up and they don't want to hear some cringeworthy comment from him in the post-game press conference, uh, Clemson coming off a win. Those comments are much more easier to handle when uh, Clemson loses. So that, that to me, at least for me, that's how I feel about it. I don't, I don't want to see Dabo beat Tennessee. It's not so much Clemson. It's, it's Dabo. I don't want to give him the the pleasure of being able to. Cause I don't to... like, do you remember how you felt about Clemson? pre Dabo, like in the before 2008 or so, like to me, they were just kind of, they were just there, you know, they yeah. were just uh, almost like maybe like NC state, like just a team that exists and you don't really think about much. No, I, they, they were a non, I mean, they were like the rest of the ACC is still just yeah. a total non-factor. That's I, what I thought, yeah, like NC state is like the perfect example of, <laughs> for probably how I felt about them before Dabo was there. It's it's that what is that meme from from Mad Men where the guy to Don Draper is is like I feel bad for you and Don Draper goes I don't think about you at all. Yeah. That's how I am with the entire ACC outside Clemson. <laughs> I just I don't think about you at all. Maybe some this season with Florida State, maybe, but I mean at this point it's just so wholly irrelevant. It's kind of like the rest of the Big 10 outside of Michigan. Um, like the, it just, it's a, a joke. I just, I don't even know. Like what yeah, do you there's want always to say? It doesn't matter. There's always one team in the ACC championship game. that's just like, what, how, why? I mean, UNC <laughs> every, this year, every right? Year. I mean, I don't, I didn't keep up with their, uh, with, with UNC at all in football. I knew Drake May was there, but every now and then I looked up on the TV and they're, they're winning a game against some team I've never heard of like 50 to 45. So I didn't really think of them as being in the conference championship picture and then all of a sudden there they are well it's like per- purdue we mentioned them earlier purdue in the big the big 10 championship game where you're just like what how did that even happen yeah. who approved yeah. this who let this it's happen very, it's very similar <laughs> yeah um oh you slighted ohio state you didn't include them in the big 10 uh even. Yeah, I did that on purpose because you know what? Oh, okay, okay. One in the last few years, freaking Zippo. They can't even beat Michigan, Big Ten Jeff. So cry me a river. All right. So <laughs> let's go through some of. Uh, oh, God. The... Yeah, Jeff has a pretty good comeback there. Yeah, Tennessee couldn't beat Purdue. You know what? Tennessee wasn't predicted to win and playing at home against their biggest rival and they blew it, you know. That's that's not my problem. Go ahead and be Michigan, and then we can have a talk. Uh, so here's some of the predictions. Danny says 43-37, Tennessee. Larry says 31-28, Tennessee. Jeff, he says 31-20, Clemson. What a clown response. Stupid <laughs> score prediction. Um, Kevin says 42-35, Vols. Ed says 23-20, Vols. Uh, and then I said uh, 35-34. So there's some optimism here. Oh. Zach is a huge downer. I can't believe you would do that. I've never chosen Tennessee to lose a football game. Um, I would never do that. We'll have to check the tape on that. Just <laughs> don't go. Don't go back and check whether <laughs> I've chosen Tennessee to lose or not. Um, oh, look, we but, got somebody. Uh, we got somebody that's caught up in the the Southwest. Oh, room, dude, I hate to hear that, Nick. But at least he is on his way uh, to Miami. If, if you're listening and not watching, he, Mitch says that they've canceled his Southwest flight, but he is on the road to Miami. 
Yeah, that is a long, uh, long drive. Brutal. Uh, but I, yeah, I saw that. They were like rioting at the Nashville airport because of that. It was not good. Canceled like 70% of their flights yesterday. Um, I heard it was because they can't, they don't know who's scheduled to work and who's not scheduled to work or something. Like they have an antiquated scheduling system for their employees. I don't, I don't know how accurate that is. Some I saw on social media, but I mean, something clearly is not, not right there. Yeah. I, I don't know what happened. Oh, and then, yeah, this is a good point from Rec too. He said Tennessee got screwed at the oh, end yeah. of the game. Yeah. Jalen Wright scored a touchdown. Yeah. That was a touchdown. Everyone knows it. Everyone acknowledged that, but you know, such is life. Uh, Oh, and then Jeff said, don't forget about our bet. I forget. I did forget what I know. I We did this. What was it, Zach? I sent it to you. I do remember you sending it to me, but I can't remember for sure what it was. Because I said, if if something happened, I would let Jeff come on for five minutes with us and say and say words on this. Does show. that have something to do with Ohio maybe. State, uh, Georgia? Is that part of it, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll hear it. Yeah, yeah. That Marvin Harrison would have more yards against Georgia than Hyatt. Uh, what did Hyatt have against Georgia? Like 70, 72? It's something like 64, maybe? I think. Oh, 60 something. Yeah, six, yeah, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. Yeah. I, th- that game, uh, I think it's the late one on, on New Year's. Yeah. yeah, 64, Jeff says. Yeah. So, Jeff, uh, if they, if they do that, we'll, we'll, give them the floor but of course at the end of the day i still control who does come on the show and who doesn't <laughs> so I'll, I'll kick you off if i want to but um so there there's that we'll again later in the week we're gonna have a playoff prediction show where we're just we just got a little fun with it you know it's a weird in between time before the big bowl games uh and we're still <laughs> still having to watch like Whoever, I mean, who was it today? Buffalo. Utah. It was, it was like Utah State was in a bowl game yeah. before I came in here. I yeah, a remember. bunch of just weird games, but still, I'll watch them. They're on in the middle of the day. Yeah. I can't help myself. And then, oh, and Bass Tennessee starts its uh, conference basketball schedule against Old Miss. Early, Ooh. very early game tomorrow. Yeah, five o'clock. Um, is it tomorrow or Thursday? Is it tomorrow? Yes, it, it is tomorrow at five o'clock, I'm pretty sure. And uh, Ole Miss just lost to, like, Alabama State or something at home, I want to say. So I I would put it this way. Um, If Tennessee loses that game, that's not going to be. The the conversation on here will not be like, oh, you lost a tough road game in the SEC. The conversation will be, you lost to one of the, at least so far, one of the worst teams uh, in SEC basketball. Let me see who it was. Were they? Oh, come on. Where is this? That Ole Miss lost to. Uh, 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 uh. This is a great radio. Just lots of dead air. That's what the people like to hear. North Alabama uh, is I've who they lost to at home. Did not know that it still existed. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't either. I don't even know what that is. UNA. Hmm. Uh, oh, real, real quick then before we go, because I don't even think we've really discussed this outside of this show. Titans, Malik Willis, Vrabel, Downing, all of it. Just quick, how how are you feeling? What do you think is going to happen? Do they make the playoffs? Do they win the division? Does Trevor Lawrence crush crush your dreams uh, in Week 18? Here's how, here's how, you how I 
here's how I feel about it. I think it'll probably come down to the last game of the season, which is I think it's game. yeah, it, it pretty much does. I don't think this game this week means anything for yeah, for not really. Team. Yeah, it's going to be that last game against the Jags. Winner gets in, and it's in Jacksonville, probably. Um, maybe no Tannehill. I don't want to say I hope we lose, but like whatever happens, make it so people get fired. That's all I know. Whether it is Ray, at this point, I don't care. I know a lot of people. Well, Vrabel is but of a. Vrabel is complicit in all of this. Do not kid yourself. Again, this is the end of the show. This is where we, you know, yeah, talk about what we want here. Um, just make it so Todd Downing gets fired at a minimum. This has to just stop somewhere. This is so bad, and and. <laughs> Let Josh Dobbs play. That's what I was going to ask. Should I want Josh Dobbs, Dobbs to start because Malik, Malik Willis looked like one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of the NFL against one the, the worst team in the NFL this year, yeah. Houston. I mean, he looked really bad. And and I don't want to say that like he can never be a good quarterback because he was really raw coming out. That's why he dropped to the third round. But and what do you have to lose by giving Josh Dobbs a shot, especially in a game that really doesn't matter if it's going to come down to week 18, win or lose. This week, I don't see why you wouldn't give Josh Dobbs a chance just to see what happens. He can't make a pass. Malik Willis can't make a pass downfield. It's like he can't. And if he does, it's like a weird sidearm, awkward looking. He doesn't keep his eyes up. He's always looking to run, which is just in the NFL. It just doesn't work. And you see why he dropped in the draft. And now it, it kind of reflects on John Robinson, who's now been fired. Okay, other teams yeah. passed on this guy for a reason, and you just decided to kind of buy into the hype. I uh, I don't know what the the move here is outside of firing Todd Downing, but I mean that this can't be it, and Malik is not your quarterback. So, hello, somebody. Where do you go from here? That's <laughs> that's it. Tom I, Brady about all. to be in Nashville next year. Come on, Tom. We should. We'd have a Super Bowl right now if they would have just taken him the last time. It is freaking John Robinson tried to build the the Southern Patriots down here, and he had the final piece there. He's like friends with Tom Brady, and he didn't take him. Idiot. We would have had a Super Bowl. Stupid. <laughs> um, I yeah, just fi- fire everybody. That's my take. All right, Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. This is the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who ten, tuned in. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Hope you have a Happy New Year. This won't be the last show of the week, so not sure why I'm signing off so definitively, but um, thank you to everybody for watching so, so, so much. Even even Big Ten Jeff. Ohio State's terrible, but we'll, you know, we're happy to have you. So, uh, again, tune in later in the week. Just watch the A to Z Sports YouTube channel page. Not sur- sure exactly when we're going to uh, get that other video up but it'll be up soon. So just subscribe there, turn on that notification bell, and then you won't miss it. So that, uh, I think, is it. Charlie Burzag, Reagan, A to Z, sports.com. Go there, blah, blah, blah. You, you're here. You know what to do. Thank you again for watching, and we'll talk to y'all later this week. See you guys then.